Hello, friends, and welcome to Men Do Disney, episode 119, We Miss Disney. My name is Pete, and joining me tonight is Matt. What's up, guys? I really miss Disney. And Tom. Two in a row. It is not a streak yet. For three guys who want to help you make the most of your Disney World vacation, as well as to bring some of that Disney magic into your life every day. So put on your favorite pair of Mickey ears, lower your safety harness, remain seated until the ride has come to a complete stop, and men, let's do Disney. So 2-0 feels good. I mean, I feel like I've really set myself up for success here. I feel like 3-0 is coming, and then 4-0, and then 5-0, and then I'm going to go for 100 in a row. I don't know about you guys, but I'm going to sit here for 100 in a row. I think the only person, and I don't even think Pete has 100 in a row, but he'd be the he'd be the closest. I'm coming for you, Pete. That's what I'm doing. I'm coming. I well, did miss one episode one time. So we're on 100, 118 here, 119. I've been on 118 out of 119. How do you feel sounds about like that? Your, sounds like your streak ended at some point. It did. It did. That's dedication right there. And, and our title was We Miss Disney. And we really couldn't figure out a way to title, I don't know why we didn't just say, 10 things everyone needs to do at least once at Disney World. But we we couldn't figure out how to say that. So we just came up with We, we Miss Disney. And that's what we're going to dive into this episode. It's more than Maybe 10 things. We could have called it like 10 things I miss about you. I don't know. Like Pete was all over the 10 things I hate about you. We could have said 10 things I miss about you. I don't know. Is is that movie on? Is that movie on Disney Plus? By the way, it is. It, yes, it's on Disney Plus. I'm totally gonna watch it tomorrow. I thought about singing "Live Like You Were Dying" for some reason by Tim McGraw. That doesn't make much sense either. But no, it doesn't. It, anyway, here. Anyway, here we are. We're gonna talk about things that we and we say ten things that you should do. Bef- you know, at Disney, but it's really thirteen on our list, and there probably will be a couple more added as we go through this. So, uh, before we get into that sponsor. Kingdom Strollers, let's hear from you. What you got? So your family is coming to Orlando. And the thought of lugging your stroller onto the plane isn't your idea of fun. But you're smart enough to know that conquering the theme parks of Orlando without a stroller for your kids could be a vacation killer. As parents ourselves, we get it. You're not asking for much. You just want the convenience of a clean, affordable stroller or crib delivered to your hotel or vacation home, ready to use. Welcome to Kingdom Strollers, a Disney-featured stroller and crib provider that does exactly what you're looking for at a great price. To book your stroller or crib, just click on the item you'd like to reserve and select the dates for your rental. We run a tight ship, so we will never overbook. Next, tell us where you're staying and choose the times for delivery and pickup. Then, choose from helpful free accessories like cooler bags and rain covers. It couldn't be easier. If you have any questions or concerns, you can check our FAQ page or just give us a call. We are always ready to answer your questions. Once you've placed your reservation, there's nothing left to do except count down the days until you're in sunny Florida. So what are you waiting for? Go ahead and book your stroller or crib from Kingdom Strollers today. Alright guys, let's... uh... Let's get into this topic for tonight. So I feel like a lot of these are really applicable to Magic Kingdom. I, I don't know why. I feel like, uh, to me, when I think about things that you have to do at Disney, like I immediately go to Magic Kingdom. It's kind of, I guess, the most sentimental park, maybe? Yeah, I think so. And I, I think we try to do this just just first thing to come to mind what what is something that everyone needs to do at Disney World once that's kind of the question we asked ourselves when we were brainstorming and it's funny 
because I don't even know that Magic Kingdom is everyone's favorite park presently, but we we definitely went straight to Magic Kingdom. Like I feel like there's a lot there. Yeah, yeah, there's there's I mean definitely Pete, there's a lot at Magic Kingdom and I think that most of our you know, first memories at Disney kind of centralize around the Magic Kingdom. So when we're like talking about things that you have to do at Disney, we're we're all reflecting upon the things that we love so much. And I think when we start this list, I'll go ahead and start with number one. I mean, we think about Main Street, right, guys? We think about walking down Main Street. It doesn't matter what time of day, if you're walking into the park or leaving the park, like, it's fantastic. But watching the fireworks from Main Street is so cool to me, but it's also cool when you're you know, with your family or you're with your spouse or you're with, you know, just anyone that you feel close to. And I think the fireworks are always going to hold a magical place in my heart. And I think, you know, you both agree, right, guys? Yeah, I think I think Magic Kingdom, Main Street, fireworks on Main Street, being at Disney World with family, all that is encompassed in, in our number one. You know, I, th- I think the way we wrote it was doing fireworks on Main Street with a loved one. That can be your kids, that can be any relative, friend, family member, spouse, significant other, whatever that is. you know. And I think with doing the fireworks, whatever time you get to the park that day, take a lot of time walking down Main Street. We talk about the Disney bubble and the little details that Disney has. They go the extra mile. Main Street is chalk full of them. Every alleyway tells a story, sings a song. You hear singing lessons. Every window has a name that contributed to Main Street and Walt Disney World. So I think as we kick off the list, we would we would have been remiss to not have our number one being Main Street, Walt Disney World, Cinderella Castle, fireworks, and now projection show. I mean it. You know it just keeps you just keep adding on more and more. When when the electric light parade was going on, I would say this goes along with that. But uh, it's sadly there's no parade at there's no nighttime parade at Magic Kingdom anymore at this point. So the the nighttime fireworks show is really all we got. There's really just something cool about standing on Main Street, looking up at the castle, and and yeah, being with being with someone you love. And and again, like Tom said, walking down just walking down Main Street first thing in the morning or whenever you get to the park. I know that I get a thrill every time I walk down Main Street. Every we trip. always we always talk about attractions. This this is an attraction. This is a walking attraction. I mean, it, I get really really mad at myself. And Pete, maybe you've reflected in this way as well, or Matt, on a trip where you were just at Disney for two or three days and you rushed around Magic Kingdom, and then you get home and you don't even remember what you saw. Here's my problem with what Disney is doing now at Rope Drop is that so before everybody used to be stopped outside of the main gate of Magic Kingdom, right? Everybody stopped before they went under the train tracks. They had the the pre-show where the train would come, the characters would get off, and then you'd walk into the Magic Kingdom and you'd walk up Main Street and you'd see Cinderella Castle in front of you. And it was, you know, everybody oohed and odd and it was a great view. Now... You go in and you go all the way up to Cinderella Castle. So you, I don't know, you lose that initial experience. And I guess it's not its not the same to me anymore. And I think like, you know, I kind of get that. But at the same time, Main Street's always going to be Main Street to me. And I think what Tom said is really important. Like taking your time and actually, you know, walking down the street, looking at, you know, everything that's kind of new and different to you. Because it really does reflect a different time. 
And I kind of get what you're saying, Pete, like, you know, with a rope drop and everything, but Main Street's always going to be special. And I mean, especially Casey's Corner, like, that's the place I used to stop all the time all the way out of the park. And I'm laughing because you didn't listen to the last episode. We had a heated conversation about Casey's Corner. And the last thing I'll say on it, but my wife taught me how to slow down in Disney World because I, I, I mean... I think all of us can speak to our trips with our families. We've always gone at a breakneck pace. And the first time, an, an annual pass has allowed me to be a little more patient and not stress at Disney World. Because it's, gosh, Disney can be stressful. But as as listeners out there, if you have never been, thank you for listening. Appreciate the support. And this is something you need to do. From experienced Disney goers, this is something you should do. And I think that's kind of what Tom Tom's saying is like just echoing that. The first time you see Main Street, it's a lot different than the 50th time or the 100th time. Like, in, you know, for us, like, you know, we have an agenda. We have a plan for the day. And I think that's kind of what Tom mentions there is just, you know, actually taking your time, walking down and enjoying it. Because Main Street is a part of Disney World. And it's something that you need to take, like, not take for granted, I should say. Now, the next item we have on our list, I know Pete's done this. If we've told the story, if we have 119 episodes, we've told it 47 episodes probably, but have a dining experience during the fireworks. Well, Pete, you did, it was more during parade for you, I guess, but have a it dining during experience a during the fireworks. And, I, and really, I guess you you could only really do this now at Epcot, right? Epcot's the place because, well, okay. Should we have changed it to dining experience or dessert party? Because if we say that, then it opens up every park. Yeah, well, it I, opens I up agree. Three of the four. Because don't do a Rivers of Light dessert party. If I could, gosh, don't do that. But yeah, I think having a dining experience around a fireworks show or a nighttime parade in the future is, it doesn't really matter where. I mean, if, I mean, Epcot for sure is where I, I, I would pick Epcot because the food's going to be better. Currently, on in, in April, the fireworks show is better at Hollywood Studios. But you don't have the, the view. Again, Hollywood Studios would have, would have to be a dessert party. So I think Epcot, get a nice table, get a nice restaurant. And if you don't do it during the fireworks, do it at a coral reef and get a tank table. Do it at the top of the contemporary and do California Grill. You know, we could we could definitely expand this to have like a signature dining experience, I guess, right? I mean, you, you look at you look at some of these restaurants that are Well, you got Polynesian, you could do it at. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of places. you could do it at California Grill. You know, you could do it at Narcoosie's if you're if you're out by the window. There's a lot of places you could do it at. So, you know, have one of those signature dining experiences and 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 watch the fireworks for sure. Guys, like you know, let's look out for new opportunities for folks to do this because while Pete said like you know, there's only a couple of places you can actually watch fireworks right now in Walt Disney World. You know that that, that could change, and there's going to be many more restaurants that pop up, and you know, all of a sudden you have a great view. So just remember that, and like. Stay fresh and stay current. That's a really good good idea to just keep reminding us of that. This is what 10 things you need to do at Disney World. We've all done this at different times in our lives. And right now, it's not as, as available as maybe it was in the past. But yeah, I, I'm with you, Matt. So the next one that I think we should talk about is something that I've done you know, since I was alive. But ride the monorail. I mean, let's think about it. Like The monorail for me, I still remember... You know, in English and in Spanish, like the warning before the doors close. And I think all of you do as well. But riding the monorail is something that I feel like I haven't really experienced Disney until I've done. 
por favor, manténganse alejando de las puertas. No, you're absolutely right. I, I think riding the monorail and, you know, if you're going to Magic Kingdom and you are parking in the parking lot or you're riding from a resort or you're going through the transportation and ticket center at all, chances are that you are going to ride the monorail, right? Either you're going to take the ferry boat or you're going to ride the monorail. To me, the ideal thing to do is, is stay at a monorail res loop resort and, and take the monorail. But but yeah, I agree. I think it's an important thing to do to take the monorail somewhere. You know, again, I think the monorail, and I, I keep giving my wife credit, and she's not even a listener. She she uh, she she can't listen to every episode, but because she can hear me recording them most times. But anyway, she she taught me the whole like the monorails and attraction type idea. But Pete, you just made a. I, I think riding the boat is also something that you should you we should couple with this. I hate I hate I hate riding the boat. I hate You've riding the boat. The boat is so slow. Like I totally get it. Like Pete, but well, so if if I get to you know if I find out hey the the monorails down they're not running today everybody's taking the ferry boat. I'm getting dropped off at Contemporary, and I'm walking. But this isn't a tip. This isn't this isn't a tips episode. This is ten things you should do at Disney. I understand that. I don't think the boat is one of them because if you're going first thing in the morning, or if you're riding that boat afterwards, it is packed full of people. You're going to be crammed in miserably on a boat. All right. So I think that we should move on to the next thing. Like I think you should ride the boat. I think you should ride the monorail. But one of the things that I think you should also do at Walt Disney World is ride all the classic rides. I mean, obviously, everyone knows about Tower of Terror. Everyone knows about Rock and Roller Coaster. They know about, you know, Splash Mountain, which is the classic. They know about Space Mountain, a classic, Big Thunder Road. But at the same time, like, the classics to me are, you know, the Haunted Mansion, Pirates of the Caribbean, It's a Small World. I mean, I think those are three just, you know, just iconic rides. I mean, even... Even to go go into attractions and talk about the Carousel of Progress. I mean, same thing. You know, I started to say with classics. I started to just say knock out Fantasyland, but then you think about Tomorrowland has Space Mountain and Carousel Progress. Carousel of Progress, yeah. yeah and then, and you, and then you think about Big Thunder Mountain Railroad, right? A classic. Then you get to Frontier. And Peter Pan, even in Fantasyland, which I didn't think about immediately, but it is. You you get to Frontierland and you think Big Thunder and, and Splash. And then you're at Adventureland and Jungle Cruise and Pirates. I mean, so are we saying do Magic Kingdom with the classics? I don't know. Like, that's the tough part. Because, I mean, I think Magic Kingdom is where the classic rides are. I mean, we don't have – I'm trying to think of another one. I mean, Spaceship Earth. Someone say Spaceship Earth. <laughs> it's closed now. Well, I guess I guess it's not closed technically yet. I guess it'll still be open through, but, but, but yeah, I mean, I think Magic Kingdom. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, so space, space of Earth. What else is the classic? I mean, Tower of Terror has been there a long time. Is that a classic? No, not the way we're talking about it. If I had to go through each park, I mean, I, I think, yeah, Matt, I, I think you have a, exp, I don't know if you say an expiration start date, but Living with the Land is is certainly a classic. Figment, while it's not in yeah, the, the classic state, it's probably still considered a classic. I don't want to get into a debate about what are classics and not. It's just, guys, ride the attractions that are not the Flight of Passages and the Rise of Resistance of the World. I think I think the better way to say that, Tom, and I think what you're trying to say is ride the attractions that have been there since day one and are still there. Does that make sense? Like Figment has been there since day one, pretty much. I mean, living with the land. I don't know if it's been there since day one, but... I think I think I agree with Tom on this. I think go ride the attractions that are not 
flight of passage that are not slinky dog dash that are not toy story mania go go ride those attractions um you know typically i i mean even stuff something like the tiki room or country bear jamboree like if if you really want to have a disney connection like that's i mean that's walt disney right there right like those attractions pirates of the caribbean haunted mansion these are the attractions that that Walt Disney was directly involved in. And so, so yeah, I think it's important to go and, and experience those attractions and, and, and really feel that connection because that's, you know, that's, that's Disney world. That's kind of the essence of Disney world. And one of the fun things about what Pete's talking about right now is if you were a patron, you would have heard us rank all of our top 100 rides at Walt Disney world. And like some of the rides we're talking about weren't number five, number six, number 10, but they were in the 20s and they were so important to us. And I think that's why, you know, we're talking about these classics being so important to you going to Walt Disney World. Because, I mean, Pete, you didn't mention this, but like teacups. Where did teacups rank on our list of rides? I think Tom purposely sunk that one. I did. I did purposely. Spoiler alert. I, I'm not a huge fan of teacups, but I'm with you. I get the, the route you guys are going down. I mean, I, I totally agree. Yeah. I mean, I think that like what Pete said, like the, the rides that Walt had something to do with or a say in still hold value to me and they always will. And I think that's when you find like a ride that might not be like a, a fast pass, but still an amazing Even ride. Even Hall of Presidents. Yeah. I, you know, I know how you feel about Hall of Presidents, but like that's, I mean, that's Walt Disney right there. Yeah. I think you look at Hall of Presidents and, and you know, Pete, I know that's a lot of people love that attraction. That's my carousel progress. That's my people mover. I mean, I, you know, those are the attractions that, that will never get old for me. So certainly top top 10, whatever our list ends up being, this is top things you have to do if you visit Walt Disney World. And so like on that, on that note, I didn't mean to cut you off, Tom, but like as we're working through our list here, I mean, Pete talked about it earlier, but rope drop, like being at the park when it opens. Like as a little kid, it was a little bit different than it is now, but at the same time, like you're still there. You're still like, ready to, you know, walk through the park and go experience that day. And the excitement that comes with the rope drop is next level for me. I mean, if I'm going to Disney tomorrow, I'm waking up at like 4 a.m. Like a, like a kid on Christmas morning. Like I'm not going to be able to sleep. So I, I think, Matt, I agree with you. Rope drop is really important. But rope dropping and staying so close, like Pete likes to do, is is really something everyone should try at least once. Pick your favorite park. I mean, I, I don't know this fits it. At Animal Kingdom, for example, I'm not sure that's the park I would pick. But at Magic Kingdom, you could certainly go go rope drop to close, and in Epcot, you could certainly do rope drop to close. And I'm not sure if Hollywood Studios is quite there yet, but it's something that I think everyone should try to do when you when you visit Disney. And I feel like if we like, really want to like go next level here, rope drop to close at an actual park, and then going to extra Magic Hours somewhere else. So, like, if you were at Epcot, you know, from rope drop to close, and then you take the monorail to Magic Kingdom for extra magic hours. Like, that's, like, what we try and do. We try to capitalize on an amazing Disney trip, and sometimes we push ourselves too hard. But I think that you really need to experience that so you know it's not for you, potentially, the next time you go to Walt Disney. Or maybe it is for you, and you can knock out two parks in a day if you have Park Hopper. And it's tough to do that now because there are so many after-hours events, and... and 
so many of the extra magic hours have been shifted to morning. You know, there's there's really not other than Hollywood Studios, there's really not a whole lot of evening extra magic hours anymore. So I agree, I like doing multiple parks in a day, but but yeah, I love rope dropping a park and staying until close. And I think you can do it at every park. I really do. Maybe not Animal Kingdom, but but think about Animal Kingdom. You've got you've got Pandora. Pandora at night is amazing. Think about Hollywood Studios. You've got Galaxy's Edge. You know, whole different world at nighttime. Galaxy's Edge and Toy Story Land really appear. Uh, and Toy Story Land, they're different. Mm-hmm. One one of my biggest regrets on our family trip with my wife's family. I I just I mean I'll never forgive myself, but I got I got tired. You know, we had been there since whatever five thirty six a.m. and and my wife's grandmother, you know, they were there with us to rise of resistance, left and came back. And my wife walked her through Galaxy's Edge and I didn't go because what I would have done is I would have exited Galaxy's Edge to go through Toy Story Land to see that. And I and I just didn't think about it to see that at night. And so, yeah, the park change. I mean, the park evolves, especially Animal Kingdom and Hollywood Studios. Well, all of them do. But but those um, different things come to life, I guess you, you could say. And so... I do think this is this is really important if you uh you know, I think we have to realize too, you know, Pete, you're not gonna go rope drop to close with your daughter. So it's gotta be a trip where you have the ability to do that. But guys, you talk about, you know, Pandora and Toy Story Land changing at night. The Magic Kingdom still changes at night. And one of the things I love about the Magic Kingdom is you can be on Splash Mountain and you can watch the fireworks in a different way that you've never seen it before. But even Space Mountain and Tomorrowland takes on a different kind of feeling at nighttime. And it's just so so eerie, but also so exciting to me. You know, I, on, a, on another item on our list of something we think everyone should do, as we, it's kind of appropriate to talk about it, Magic Kingdom changing at night. Magic, Magic Kingdom's After Hours events, specifically... Things change there, you know, Pete. We we have uh, we've done the Villains Night that you guys also did at Hollywood Studios. We've done a Very Merry Christmas. We've done Not So Scary. We haven't done an Extra Hours event, but other than that, and even when there was the e-ticket attraction, that that kind of event, the park changes at night. And we talked about the Villains Night, you know, making it seventeen years and older and making it much scarier. But there were times where it felt eerie. You know, Matt talks about Space Mountain changing at night. These after-hours events, that attraction changes. Sometimes it goes pitch black. Sometimes it has Christmas-colored strobe lights. Uh, the music changes throughout the park. The, there are nighttime parades at the after-hours events. And so that's an added benefit. So if, if we talk about rope dropping and, and staying until close, even if you don't rope drop, doing an after-hours event, specifically at Magic Kingdom, is something I think everyone should do. Yep. Same same page there. It's uh, and and not just Magic Kingdom, right? I mean, there's there are after hours events at other parks, and they really do give you a, a chance to experience those parks with with limited crowds. Now, we've had the conversation. The villains event was too crowded. I think we we both felt like, but but I think that you know it's it's kind of a general consensus that the not so scary and very merry are better because they have. You know, they have trick-or-treating, they have cookies and cocoa, they have the character meet and greets, they have things to take people away from just the rides, whereas the villains, you have a stage show and a parade, and that's it. So the rides tend to be a lot more crowded. 
I will say that Pete, the first time that we did not say scary or not, not no, I'm sorry, villain night, villain night, it wasn't that bad. I mean, honestly, Fantasmic was kind of packed because that was the only thing to do, and we talked about that last episode. But I mean, the rides. I mean, we walked on Toy Story Mania in five minutes. Yeah, it it wasn't bad, and and again, Hollywood Studios is a little bit different experience in Magic Kingdom. I I don't think that they sold near as many tickets for that as they did for yes. Magic Kingdom. Now, I mean. We went to that stage show and it was packed, but you're right. The rides were empty. and But you got to remember too. I think was, that was I one mean, of the first times they did an after hours event like that. And they saw the demand and they said, you know, we're going to pack as many people as we can. I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just saying that, you know, Disney's realized there's a demand for this kind of stuff. And it's still a lot of fun. I mean, I think just plan your time and, I mean, well, we did Pete that day. I think we were at Epcot all day. Well, you actually used that instead of getting, instead of getting a um, park hopper because we were staying off property. We just bought the the event pass, and it was still so much fun. And you can do that at Walt Disney World right now if you, even if you're not staying on property, which is one of the things that we're going to talk about next. Staying on property is a bucket list item. Like I do think you should do it, and I think you should do it because you know the transportation. I think the extra magic hours. I think that just being in that Disney bubble is fantastic. What do you think, Tom? Yeah, I think staying on property is a must. Uh, again, we're talking about a list of items that we think everyone needs to do at least once at Disney World. Staying on property is great, even if it's a value resort. Don't don't say, man, I, I can't afford a moderate or, or a deluxe. We stay value resorts most of the time. Most people do. But I will say that the if you look... The moderates are not that much more expensive than the values most of the time. If if you compare a pop century to a Caribbean beach or to a what's the uh, what's the resort we stayed at Coronado Springs, if you compare those, I mean you're fifteen twenty bucks a night a lot of the time difference. So I know this is this isn't necessarily like a you know how do you do Disney right, but one of the things I will say about staying on Disney property is you can find the properties that are close to the parks that you want to attend frequently. So there's some there's some properties that are closer to the Magic Kingdom, some that are closer to Animal Kingdom, some, you know, Hollywood Studios and Epcot, you know, so on and so forth. But I think that's important to realize too. You know, when we say value property, like we know we're probably closer to Animal Kingdom than we are Magic Kingdom, right? I, I mean, I would I would say that if you're if you're looking for something close to Magic Kingdom or Epcot, you you pretty much have to go deluxe. Uh, if if you're going value or even if you're going moderate, I mean you're just you're just going to be further out. Well, I think at that, at that point though, Pete, it's still like what like a twenty minute bus ride, like to get home. Like that's probably what it is. Yeah, no, I mean it's it's not. So you're saying all star, and you go to Magic Kingdom. It's what twenty minutes tops. Twenty or yeah, twenty five, but it, again, I mean it. It really doesn't. Like I said, it doesn't matter. Just stay on Disney property. Just stay somewhere on Disney property. Well, here's the thing too. Like, so if you have like a Disney meal plan, you can actually come back to your resort at the end of the night. You can, you know, refill your your your, your mug and get extra Coca Cola to like get you back to your resort, get you back to your room. But you can also grab like that last like table service meal you haven't done already. And like just when you're on the Disney property, it just seems it feels different. Everywhere there's a cast member. Everywhere you know you see things that are you know much different than you go to the Holiday Inn. And I think that's what Tom's trying to hit on. And and staying with that theme, we're talking about resorts. I think, especially for the parents that listen to this, character breakfast, character meet and greets, it's something that you need to do. 
if you're only going to Disney once, if you're if you're taking your kids to Disney at any time, book those in because it, it kind of knocks out two things. <clears throat> you get to see the resorts in some cases, uh, or you get early entrance to the park if you do a breakfast. But ultimately, you get to knock out and see some characters. And talking to the parents here, I don't have a, a child myself, but I remember how stressed I would be in my head thinking, am I going to see Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Goofy, Pluto, Winnie the Pooh, and so on and so forth. And so, get the, you know, if you have the dining plan, while I know the kids won't eat the amount of food that meets that value, you do save a lot of time by doing these character breakfast, character meet and greet type opportunities. And so that is something that that I think you, you have to try at Disney World. And I think that's like on our list of things that you have to do, like Tom's talking about right now, like... You know, when you have a character breakfast, you know, a character meet and greet, a character breakfast, you know, you're actually going to eat or dine with a character. It doesn't have to be breakfast. Like, you can have a character dinner. You can have a lot of different character interactions. But, like, one of the things I always think about is, like, when I go with my mom, like, she wants to take a picture with Goofy every single time. And I love that. Like, that's a Disney tradition for us. Everybody that's listening to this podcast has a favorite Disney character. And one of the most fun things is, you know, interacting with that character. And I th- and I think that you know, Pete, you probably agree with this, but I mean, you when's the last time you took a Disney character meet and greet picture? I mean, was it what Ariel recently? Nope, it was uh, either Anna and Elsa or with uh, Mickey and Chip and Dale at Garden Grill. Yeah, I mean, what, like your your kids, like they would love to see you with Anna and Elsa. Like, how, like are you like the coolest yeah. dad in the world when you do that? No, absolutely. But, you know, I would I would take this one step further and I would say that if you do have kids it's and you do plan on doing a character breakfast, the deluxe resorts are the way to go here. And that, that ties back in with staying on Disney property. If you can afford a deluxe resort, if you can swing a deluxe resort, do a deluxe resort. Because, I mean, you think about the character meet and greets. You think about 1900 Park Fair, which, again, I think has the best food out of any character meet and greet. You think of Chef Mickey's. You think of Ohana, you think of uh, Topolino's Terrace at the Riviera, like all those are deluxe resorts. If you can swing it, do it because not only are you, you know, you're staying on Disney property, you're riding the monorail to the parks, you're getting your character meet and greets. There's something just magical to me about staying at a deluxe resort. And I think like the, like to tie a bow on this, like, especially if you have children or if you're taking a significant loved one. You're going to remember a whole lot more staying on Disney property than you are staying at the Holiday Inn. There's there's a big difference. You actually feel yourself leaving Disney property when you go through that arch and you know, you're back into you know Florida because you don't feel like you're in Florida when you're at Disney. Well, and look, I get the argument that hey, we're you know we're going to Disney. We're going to spend three hours or five hours or six hours or however long you're going to sleep in the in the room. I get that argument 100% because I make that argument a lot. You know, I look for the cheapest place to stay. But, you know, if you're talking about something that you absolutely need to do or you're with kids and you absolutely need to do it, if you can swing a deluxe resort or if you can swing a Disney property, do it. It's it's worth it. So another thing that's probably grown on me lately, take time to explore the resorts, to relax inside of the parks, to sit on a bench and people watch. In our last episode, we talked about foods we miss, but we did highlight some areas that we like to, I mean, I I look at, you know, Baseline as an example here inside of the parks. I think about, you know, during the Christmas season, I have gone to, you know, five, six, seven, eight resorts in a day 
taking taking a day out of the parks just to explore all of that within Disney. And this is something, just giving advice, I think you should do it. I think if you're someone listening to this and you have a Disney trip planned or you've never been, it's going to be hard to do because it's always go, go, go. But take some time to, you know, plan a dinner at Ohana or Boma and go there and just, just 40 minutes earlier or 30 minutes early and check out the resort a little bit. I couldn't have said that better. It's Look, it's a luxury, right? Because you think about somebody that's going to Disney and has five days and that's their Disney trip for the next five years or 10 years or, you know, their one Disney trip. It's tough to slow down and relax and enjoy the parks and enjoy the resorts and enjoy the restaurants. It's really hard to do that, but you get so much out of it, right? You see so much, even even people watching. Tom, I know we were talking about this earlier. I've sat down and people watched at Animal Kingdom. I've sat down and people watched at Hollywood Studios, right? Grab a drink, sit down on a bench and, and just watch the crowds go by. Yeah, and and I think this is easier to do, I think the older you are, or the more times you've been to Disney World, or if you have a luxury like an annual pass, I think it's easier to do because you you know when when you know Pete, Matt, and I have all been there. When you buy a three day ticket and you're trying to hit four parks and ride every big attraction, there's really no time to waste. I just think about us going to to Trader Sam's, right? I mean, it's at the point now where. We're going to leave a park and we're going to go to Trader Sam's at three or four o'clock and sit there for a couple hours. I wouldn't have done that five years ago. And it's arguably one of the most, I mean, one of our more, fa- it's, it's kind of a favorite now. It's kind of a, yeah. let's try to do that. Yeah. Let's work it in. Let's go spend some time exactly. at Disney Springs. That falls into this. I think one of the things that I also think about right now is like, if you're somebody that's been to Disney a lot, or even if you're just your first time. And you're trying to understand what Disney means to to you or to other people. When you sit on a bench, you actually watch Disney magic happen right in front of you. And it kind of reinforces why you're there, what you're doing, and like how special a place Disney is. Because you're going to see a cast member come and you know, direct somebody somewhere. Or you're going to see a cast member come and speak to somebody and just have a great conversation. Or you're going to hang out and... You know, just like feel Disney embrace you a little bit, which I think is a lot of fun. And I mean, going with this, I think one of the things you should do after you sit on the bench for a little bit is you should buy and wear some Mickey ears because I don't know how many people have actually done this. I mean, it feels like 99% of people that have gone to Walt Disney World, but it feels a little different when when you're wearing Mickey ears. And if you ever listen to her introduction, Pete says it every time. You know, grab your favorite pair of Mickey ears. I, I think I own three or four pairs of Mickey ears. Now, I i don't think I'm at the point where I'm going to wear them in the park, but I do own several pairs of Mickey ears. Not, not a shame. I mean, Pete, me. like at some point you probably wore some Mickey ears in the park there, right? I don't, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know that I've ever worn Mickey ears in a park. I can see one of your brothers wearing Mickey ears if you didn't. It, it could have happened, but... Now, I, I'm pretty sure I own a couple pairs of Mickey ears, but I don't think I've ever worn Mickey ears in, inside a park. But I agree. They're a great collection. I mean, item. one of the things that I remember was a big thing a while ago, especially when Phantasmic started. So I'm, I'm saying my age right now. So we're talking about, what, 22, 23 years. But people used to wear Mickey gloves, and that used to crack me up. Like, Mickey gloves are, you know, not, not Mickey ears, but a, a cool thing. I have a pair of Mickey gloves 
in my house right now. I think I think I have one somewhere too. I think I have a pair too. But I mean, I guess this just goes along with merchandise in general. Like, I mean, have, have pins. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I guess like we're kind of talking like everything Disney. Like when you're in Disney World, like embrace it. Like you know, find that like dopey shirt that is like dopey from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs and wear it. Like if if that's you in the crowd, like do it. We were talking about cups today. You know, you have your Nautilus cup from. Trader Sam's. I have a, a OA mug from Trader Sam. Like, you know, just that kind of stuff. I have felt better about my Nautilus cup purchase the further I've gotten away from the purchase because, like, the, the day of, I'm like, great idea. The morning, uh, the next morning, I'm like, what? Why did I buy this? And now I'm, you know, months away from getting it and it's in my office. I, I love having it. And that's, that's the kind of stuff you need to do if you go to Disney. Buy a souvenir that you love. Yeah, 100%. And I think that kind of goes hand in hand with like, you know, drinking around the world in Epcot or, you know, eating around the world or doing whatever you want to do, experiencing, you know, other cultures and other people. Because the World Showcase is a really amazing place to do that. And, you know, we talk about all the time, like, you know, we enjoy drinking around the world. We also enjoy eating around the world. But I mean, like those kind of souvenirs and those things that you can take with you afterwards isn't always something you bought. It could be a conversation with a cast member. It could be a conversation with, you know, just someone right beside you that says, hey, this lobster is really pretty good. You know, this drink's pretty like fun. Or if you're drinking the, the Viking drink, pretty awful. Yeah, I think Matt brings up a great point. I mean, we talk about drinking or eating around the world. We've spent a lot of time on that. That's something I think everyone should do. Talking to a cast member, though, is what I really want to highlight. I think some of my favorite Disney Disney differences, Disney moments, Disney experiences, you can learn a ton from cast members within the World Showcase, which is really cool because you learn about their culture, where they came from, how long are they here at Disney World, what do they think about the, the experience. But then you also just, they make the difference. There's a reason large corporations contract Disney to come teach them how do you train your employees because the cast members at Disney World make a difference. Whether it's a bus driver telling you, Trivia question, or way back in the day, it's a monorail driver allowing you to sit in the cockpit with, with him or her while they're driving the monorail. Yeah, I mean, I have friends right now that are cast members, and honestly, like they love their job, they love what they're doing, and they're, they're they are there because they love Disney, but also they love you, the people that come to the parks and make their job a reality. I mean, they have so much fun; they want to share everything, and I love the fact that you know not every Disney you know, employer, Disney cast member has to stay in character the entire time. But like, think about it. When you talk to Snow White, like you're talking to Snow White and it's also a cast member. Like it's somebody that's going above and beyond for you and your enjoyment, which is really fun. Like it's not just the people in the world showcase. That's a good point. And on the Snow White note, I I immediately think of Disney princesses and Beauty and the Beast. And I think of the live shows at Disney World, whether that's a parade a daytime parade, or that's you know Beauty and the Beast, Finding Nemo, uh, Fantasmic Lion King. Festival, yeah. Lion King. Yeah, absolutely. I think people you know, I forget think, that these are cast members and not just characters in the movie they love to watch. You do. Well, there's there's so many good there's so many good shows here. There's so many. There's some there's some kind of blah ones too, but there are really a lot of good shows here that uh, that are you know you're talking like Broadway quality musicals, right? I mean, there are a lot of those. And they're put on 10 times a day. 
mean, Fantasmic. How much do you think Fantasmic costs every night for Disney to put it on? Seventy grand, sixty grand, hundred grand. At, at least, yeah, at least. I, I think. I mean, that's a good point. I mean, every live show. These are real people acting. And and again, this list is to tell you guys things we think everyone should do when they visit Disney. Well, like, like with that live show thing, like sometimes even I forget that's not you know Belle up on stage or it's not Ariel or it's not you know Snow White. Like, I think it's important that you guys remember that. And like maybe we're going down a tangent, but all right. Well, anything else must do. I think there, we covered a, it. We could make a list of a hundred, but I I think that's yeah. thirteen, fourteen, ten, fifteen, whatever we did. I think that's those are some good. I think ideas. that's the gist of it. All right. Trivian secret. Let's do it. So secret of the night. Some strange items are found at Walt Disney World's Lost and Found. I have never been there, but I have read quite a bit about this wild place. Some of the stranger items that have been found, a glass eye, a prosthetic leg, and a potty trainer have all somehow made their way to the Lost and Found at Disney World. And for those that are now worried as listeners, all three of those items were claimed by their original owner. Um, I just think it's nuts. To, to think about what has actually been found there. Going to the trivia question of last week, then we'll, then we'll hit the trivia question of this week. Trivia question of last week, we were talking about a need for speed. How fast is the beginning of Rock and Roller Coaster? Uh, we were actually talking what, about... What is, it, what is it, Matt? What's that? <laughs> Sorry. Fa- how fast is the beginning of Rock and Roller Coaster? You go from uh, zero to it, what? I think, it's, I think it's 66 miles per hour or 63. It is 60 miles per hour. It's zero to 60, 60 in 2.8 seconds. Ooh. A rock and Roller Coaster starring Aerosmith at Disney's Hollywood Studios takes you from 0 to 60 in 2.8 seconds. So appreciate the participation there. Uh, going to the trivia question of this week. What two Disney World attractions were originally at the World's Fair? Uh, one hint I'll give you. These two attractions are still in Disney World. There's, I don't want to say which park, but you can probably guess. So, I mean, not, a, not in exactly the same form, though. Correct. Not in the exact same form, but they are the same attractions you can tweet us your answers at men do wdw podcast or email us at men do wdw at gmail.com we look forward to your guesses all right well that's all we have for this week please tune in next week for some more disney magic look for us on the twitter at men do wdw podcast if you have any suggestions questions or comments please tweet us or email us at men do wdw at gmail.com also please check out our patreon at patreon.com slash if you enjoyed the podcast please subscribe and leave us a review it really does help us out thank you so much for listening and giving us the most valuable thing you have your time we'll see you next week